The year was 1964. An aspiring dentist who lived at the North Pole and a reindeer whose nose was just a bit too eccentric. Together with the likes of Yukon Cornelius and a cast of misfit toys, they would change Christmas forever. If you've never seen the claymation movie Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, then you've saved yourself an hour of ridiculousness. But if you're ridiculous like me, then you may find yourself referencing some common gems from this classic Christmas movie. The one that serves my purposes for this occasion is the classic line from Hermie the Elf as he talks to his new pal Rudolph. They've both been cast out by their peers and stumble upon one another. With no other friends in the world, they come up with a brilliant plan. We can be independent together. That's one of those lines that you call an oxymoron. Because if you're together, then you're not really independent. And that's the point, right? They thought nobody wanted them, and they thought that maybe they could live life alone. But there was something real and genuine in the hearts of these two friends. They knew that being alone was not good. The innate desire and need for something more, something else, something outside of themselves. Have you ever struggled with feeling alone? The fact is that the Lord never intended us to walk alone. This was true ever since way back in the garden. God said so himself. He said it's not good for the man to be alone, so I'm going to do something about it. And he did. He created a helper, a helpmate, a companion, a soul that he could bond with and create with and do life with. Adam was not alone in the garden. He had Eve. But, but stay with me for a second on this. Do you ever stop to think that God was also with them? That God walked with them in the garden? Go back and read Genesis 3. When Adam and Eve sinned, they then hid themselves from God. Why? Because they recognized his footsteps. They heard him walking their way in the cool of the day. They recognized the song he was singing, the certain rustling of the limbs and leaves and cadence to his step. God has always walked with his people from the beginning, and he has never left us without a witness to his presence and a people to proclaim it. We are simply individuals who are dependent on him, his revelation, and his people. We can be a group of people who are independent together. Which really just means we're dependent. And that's one of the words that in our little quick series that we're doing as we um, are in this new space and are helping to kind of refocus ourselves on who we are, why we exist. Typically, as I said last week, those three words that are on the front of the bulletin, on the front of wherever you see our logo, gospel community mission. Oftentimes I'll preach on those three words, whether in the same sermon or in three different sermons, because we want to continually put in front of ourselves the idea that we are to proclaim the gospel, that we are to build each other up in community, and that then we are to send each other out on mission. And how do we build each other up in community? We proclaim the gospel to one another. What do we do when we send each other out on mission? What is our mission? To proclaim the gospel to those who have not yet heard, to those who don't know. So it's really all just kind of bottled up in that word gospel. But how it impacts our lives and the different areas in our lives that it reaches to and the emphases that we put on ourselves as a church, on ourselves as Christian individuals, influences and is shown in all those different areas in the work of Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel and how 
we continually want to use those things to impact our hearts. Now, there are certain words that we started looking at last week. Last week, we looked at this word authentic. And so these words we're looking at this time, instead of going through the gospel community mission, though that will be constantly in front of us as a church, as the people of God, as far as it depends on me, because I think it's really important to try and focus ourselves on the gospel, on Jesus Christ, on his work in our lives, on his work around us and other Christians that are among us, and then also in his work in the world. I think it's important for us to then maybe kind of look more intently at how is it that we are doing this together? And so I started talking about these three words, authentic, dependent, and missional. Last week, we looked at the idea of being authentic, looked at Romans chapter 12, and we're going to be back there again this morning. The second word we use is being dependent. And so this is from our uh, membership classes that we have had in the past. This is not new. I've just made this stuff up. This has been here for years in the emphases that we have as a church. So the second word is dependent. Being dependent and what is written here, it says being dependent highlights our understanding of our need for God's truth, God's spirit, and the spiritual care of God's people in the local church, his body. And so like any good, you know, as I said before, Southern Baptist Convention's meeting this week. So like a good old Southern Baptist type, we have sort of three points this morning in our sermon of how we are dependent on one another, how we are independent together, if we want to use that fun little phrase. We are individuals who are dependent on God, on his revelation, and on his people. So Romans chapter 12, I'm going to read... um, We'll just read verses 9 through 13 again, like we did last week. And then we'll talk around them and about them and, and this idea of being dependent. So Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9, says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. As a kid, what is one of the things you wanted most in your life? Anybody have anything? Have fun. Have fun, yeah. What's the, one of the things you wanted most in your life? Uh-huh. Oh, what did you say? A dollhouse, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oftentimes for me growing up, it was whatever new game console was coming out. Because when I was growing up, I mean, there were constantly new game consoles coming out. And so it was always every year there was something. You know, there was Nintendo, Super Nintendo. There was Sega. There was um, more Nintendo stuff. There was Xbox, PlayStation. I mean, and then there was just PlayStation 2 and There's all kinds of things that kept coming out. So those were always in my wheelhouse and things that I desired. Maybe it was a doll, a dollhouse. Maybe it was a bike. Maybe a game console. But I'm talking kind of more broadly. What do the majority of kids think that they want? What do they think will make their lives immediately better? For some of us, and for some kids even right now, whether they're kids or teenagers, 
The idea is independence. Like, what do I really want? I want to make my own decisions. I don't want mom and dad choosing all the things for me. I don't want to have to live under their rule and authority. I want to be able to live my own life. I want to make my own decisions, do my own thing, eat what I want to eat, do what I want to do, sleep when I want to sleep. If I want to go to school, great. If I don't, even greater. You know, I mean, all those things. The idea of independence. And do you ever feel that way? Man, if I could just do things the way that I want to, if I could choose to eat what I want to, if I could go to bed when I want to, if I could skip school if I want to, if I could watch movies all day if I want to. For many adults, we recognize how naive and foolish we were to not just enjoy the times and moments in our lives when we didn't have to make all the decisions, when we weren't responsible for all the things, when we didn't have a mortgage and our own kids and all the stuff that comes along with being an adult, adulting. Independence. It's, it's not just a national July 4th celebration that's coming up in a few weeks. It's an ever-present reality for so many of us when it comes to our physical and spiritual lives. It's my body, and you can't tell me what I have to do with it. It's my spirituality and my right to believe what I want to believe. That's the beauty and the curse of this nation and this world. We can believe whatever we want to, regardless of what other people may try to coerce us or convince us of. We can live how we want to without people standing in our way. We taste freedom and we say, I don't need you anymore. Perhaps the only thing worse than demanding our own freedom and independence is never realizing the gift and value of others. A failure to recognize what we miss when we avoid the wisdom and service of the people of God. Complete Denial that every breath we take is a mercy straight from the Lord. Going about our business as if the word of God is an optional add-on to our Christian lives. So these are the three things that I want us to think about this morning and later today and throughout this week. We have a need for God's truth, for God's spirit, and for the spiritual care of God's people in the local church. God's truth, God's spirit... And God's people. Talking about God's truth, I came across some stat a week or two ago that said there were really only a handful, five to ten chapters in the New Testament, that did not quote or particularly allude to the Old Testament. That really, that's just a fancy way of saying that the New Testament authors themselves depended on the Word of God that they had available to them. Jesus came as a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. To understand Jesus and his ministry is to understand the context he came into. He came as a Jew in Israel. We understand the Old Testament to be Christian scripture. Paul says as much in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. He says to Timothy, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. All scripture. It makes us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul has spent. The first 11 chapters in Romans. Talking about 
faith. He goes to the Old Testament and shows us clearly that salvation is by grace through faith. It is not our works that satisfy God's righteous requirement. It is believing that Jesus has satisfied God's righteous requirement. That my life is bound to Christ. And if my spiritual life is bound to Christ, then my physical life is bound to Christ. How do we know what we know about God? How do do we even know that? The two opportunities we have are through the natural world and through the scriptures. Paul begins that way in Romans chapter 1. How do we learn of Christ? How do we know that there is a Holy Spirit? How can we learn what is good and right and just? How can we keep our ways pure? How can we live as slaves to righteousness instead of as slaves to sin? All these things come through revelation. The revelation of God's word. We are a people of the book who read the book and study the book and preach on the book because the book contains the words of life. That's what a nickname is for Baptists, by the way, people of the book. John chapter 6 is a long chapter. But it is so fascinating. I encourage you at some point to read all of it this week. I'm going to read for us just the last part of it. John chapter 6, verses 60 through 69. It says, When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning that who those were who did not believe and, it was, and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered. He answered him and said, Lord... To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. And it is the Spirit who gives life. The Word of God is used by the Spirit of God to give us life. We are dependent on God's truth And we are dependent on God's spirit. So there is really no distinction here between God's word and the work of God's spirit. How does the spirit of God work in our hearts? Through the word of God. For someone to say that they are spiritual without having a desire or passion or love for the word of God is to say that they love the spirit of this world. They love their own spirit. They trust in their own truth. They live according to their own standards. You'll often hear me talk about our need for the Lord to open our eyes to see and to open our ears to hear. That we might see and hear and understand that our hearts might be softened to receive and to believe his word. We are utterly incapable of coming into a knowledge of the truth apart from the work of the spirit of God through the word of God. Now. Look, for all you Trinitarians out there, myself included, I'm not drawing a particular distinction between the Godhead as if we don't need God the Father or Christ the Son. We need all three. 
All three have their roles. All three are God, and it's a fabulous mystery that I'm not going to try to explain right now. Now look, my point is that we have been specifically called to depend on the Spirit of God, using the Word of God to direct our hearts to God and toward God's people. We have been called to depend on the Spirit of God, using the Word of God to direct our hearts to God and toward God's people. In our passage in in Romans 12, Paul talks about spiritual gifts. And the point he's making is that we often have a tendency to, to think too highly of ourselves. That's what he says in Romans 12, in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. We have a tendency to think too highly of ourselves, to be too dependent on our own wisdom, our own grace, our own faith. But we are called to be one body, to work together, to work for one another, to build one another up instead of navel-gazing the whole time. We believe that if you are a Christian, then God has sealed you with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13, Paul says, In Him, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit and the Spirit empowers each one of us with his gifts. But we don't each have every gift. First Corinthians 12 verses 4 through 11, Paul says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is basically the very same thing that Paul says here in our text in this chapter in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. He says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another having gifts that defer according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. We can desire and earnestly desire certain gifts, but it's not up to us to decide. It's up to us to submit to his sovereignty and to depend on the gifts that he has manifested to those around us. So again, we can try to separate it out into God's truth and God's spirit and God's people that we're to be dependent on, but they all flow together into this river of dependency that is just kind of a big conglomeration of those three things put together. I mean, to trying to depend on the Spirit without also 
simultaneously, depending on the spirit that's inside of someone else beside me, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Do we depend on the Spirit of God inside us or the Spirit of God in others? Yes. Both. And so, there's God's Word, God's truth that we depend on. There's God's Spirit that we depend on. And there's God's people that we depend on. In the text that we started looking at in Romans 12... Verse 9 says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Oh, so who are we serving? Are are we serving other people or are we serving the Lord? Again, the answer is yes. Both. Both. As you serve other people, you are serving the Lord. As you're depending on the Lord, you're serving other people. It says, rejoice in hope, verse 12. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Why do we pray? I mean, if there's one thing that confirms... And that reorients our hearts and our bodies to the Lord, to his word, to his spirit, to his people, instead of just being so self-consumed and self-centered, it's prayer. It's realizing that we can do none of this alone, that we need the Lord, that we've needed his grace and mercy, that we continue to need his grace and mercy. And that comes out. In prayer, it ought to at least. I mean, that's what he encourages us to do. To rejoice in hope, to be patient in tribulation, and to be constant in prayer. And then he finishes there in verse 13, says, Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. If this is what I'm called to do for you... It's also what you're called to do for me. As Christians together, we're called to be hospitable toward one another. We're called to show love toward one another. Outdo one another in showing honor. I'm showing you honor. You're showing me honor. Like it's just this constant battle of how can we... Show more love to the other person than they're showing us. Not not so that we can puff ourselves up. Not so that we can say, oh, look at how loving I was today. It's so that we can genuinely, again, going back to that whole idea of being genuine, being authentic. So that we can legitimately, genuinely build that other person up. Because we think more of them than we think of ourselves. We're concerned more about their welfare than our own. We want them to be honored above us because we realize it's not about us. It's not about me. And in the midst of all that, it's really showing honor to Christ. It's serving him in the midst of all that. It's the way that I serve him is by serving you. We have a faith that is personal. 
but it's not private. Your faith is personal, but it should not be private. I can't believe for you. I can't give you my faith, but I can act out my faith for your benefit. I can use the gifts that the Spirit has given to me to encourage you to live according to his word so that together we might honor him. So that together we might walk forward in unity. So that together, as we love one another, genuinely, other people will will see us. Those on the outside will say, those people actually care for one another. Those people are serving one another. This is unusual. In a world that is defined by what can I get out of every situation? What's in it for me? I just want to be myself. I don't want to have to change. I don't think anything's wrong with me. Our eyes have been opened to see the brokenness in this world. Our eyes have been opened to see the truth of God's word and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ alone. We have put our faith, our trust Our hope in Christ. And we have a hope. A hope that extends to this life and beyond this life. And we're calling other people to join into believing that. To join into marveling in that grace that the Lord has shown to us even while we were yet still sinners. And I need you To do that, to say that, to speak that truth into my heart. Because there are times when I don't feel like praying. There are times when I don't feel like worshiping. There are times when I don't feel like the Lord is on my side. There are times when I feel like I'm alone. And if I feel these things, if I know these are true for me, then certainly they're they're true for you too, at least in some moments. And why, why would we want to just exist independently of one another? And I think when it comes down to it, it's, it takes work. I mean, why don't we want to do this? What is so difficult about this whole idea of depending on God, of depending on his word, and depending on other people, other Christians. The fact of the matter is, it is hard work. Because there are plenty of things about other people that I don't like. (laughs) I mean, there are plenty of things about other people that I don't agree with. There are plenty of things about how other people choose to spend their time and to spend their money and to, and to look and to exist in this world and their hobbies that I don't get, that I don't understand, that are not for me. And so it takes work for me to, to stop being so self-centered to say, God's gifted us differently. God's given us different skills and passions. We don't all have to look the same. We're, we're not all supposed to look the same. 
We all have the same goal, though. We're all walking towards and in the same hope. And so what we do share, what is common to us, is this faith that God has given to us. Is our belief that Jesus Christ is our only hope in this life and in the life to come. And that he is enough. And, and I've got to expend the energy to get beyond all of those natural barriers and inclinations that I have to disagree with other people and to not like other people. Because there are more important things than me. That's hard. It's hard to do. It's hard to think about. It's hard to process. It calls for wisdom in in some regards. Because sometimes you think, I don't really know if what that person's doing is okay. I I don't know if that's legitimate. I don't know if I should encourage them in that. Or I I don't know how to help them. I I don't know what I can do for them. I, I don't know what I bring to the table. They seem to be so spiritual. They seem to be so already put together and and have it all. Well, what am I going to bring to them? We might feel useless. We might feel like we have no part to play, that they already have everything that they need. But But a true servant of Christ has the humility to recognize their need their dependency on the Spirit of God as He works through the people of God through the Word of God. And so it takes work. And I want us to be a people, the church, community of believers who recognize this dependency that we are called to and to commit ourselves to do the hard work of studying scripture, of being dependent on his word, to do the hard work of allowing the spirit to work through us for the benefit of others and to allow the spirit to work through other people for our benefit. To stop Always being the one who's in charge. To stop always being the one who knows everything. To stop being the one who has all the right answers already before you even say anything. To open up ourselves for correction, for reproof. This is, I believe, pretty clearly throughout Scripture. Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't really matter what chapter of the Bible you're in, you're going to see some level of people who are either dependent on God and are blessed for it or who aren't and realize the difficult ramifications and the lack of blessing that comes along with that. I mean, so I, you know, I, I picked Isaiah 26 as an Old Testament passage to read that kind of corresponds with what we're talking about. I really could have picked just about half any chapter in the Old Testament that talks about being dependent on God, that talks about being dependent on his word. And the reason it's talked about so much, so often, 
is because our hearts so naturally fight against that. And so I want us to be a people who work toward being dependent on his word, his truth. Studying scripture, studying scripture together, who depend on his spirit, serving other people and allowing other people to serve us. And seeing that it's not about us. That it's about what God is doing in our midst. And that the blessing for us can come in our service. And we don't have to focus on ourselves. That takes work from my heart. I think it probably takes work for you and for your heart too. And so that's what I'm encouraging us to do. That's what I'm calling for us as a church to commit to that to do the work and to allow the Lord to do that work in partnership with us and through us to give us the strength because we don't have it in ourselves to do it. To be a people who are genuine in our love, who hate what is evil, who hold fast to what is good, who rejoice in hope, who are patient in tribulation, who are constant in prayer, And all the things that Paul says here in Romans 12. So let's do this. Let's commit to being this type of people together. And if we are, just imagine how the Lord might continue to bless us. And use us in this community, in this town, to bless others. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for Romans chapter 12. We thank you for the beauty that... Your word is and that we can depend on you, that you are trustworthy. Lord, help us to dwell on that, that you are trustworthy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.